Maybe I'll try this one. Hey y'all, hey, welcome to the Unangry Black Woman Podcast, where we have real conversations on real topics with real people. I am your host, your healing coach, Tiffany Fox, and our guest is definitely a fan favorite, a friend of the show, my husband, my man, my man, my man, Keon Fox. Hello, sir. How are you? I'm doing good. Hello, everybody. So how do you feel about being the fan favorite? I'm just glad that the podcast is uh, being well received. So, um, yeah, I just appreciate all y'all tuning in and listening to what we have to say. Uh, definitely more to come. Absolutely. So modest, so modest, so humble. I love it. I love Absolutely. it. That's why you're the fan favorite. Yeah. Is, that, is that the reason? Okay. <laughs> that is why. Sir, what are we talking about today? Uh, you tell me what we're talking about today. Well, I think because uh, the holiday season is here, the economy is what it is, um, I think we need to talk finance. I think we need to talk. Last time we uh, you were on, we talked about generational curses. I want to talk about generational wealth. I want to talk about uh, financial literacy, poverty mindset. Let's talk about finances. We probably need a part two um, or three to this because I know it's a lengthy topic, but Let's get into it from our, our perspective and, and you know, the black experience and all that good stuff. All right, I'm down for this one. Let's go. All right. So when we talk about generational wealth, because I always like to define or have a, um, a comprehensive definition for our listeners and audience to make sure everybody's on the same page, how would you define generational wealth? I would define it as um, information, but is, is, is also money. Um, that or property or, or just anything that is of value that can be passed down from one generation to the next. Um, I agree. I think it's when anytime we talk about generation, I think we understand that that's passed down. But I think it's money. I think it's assets. Like you said, I think it's education. Um, I think it's strategic. So I think there's an intention for it. I don't think you happenstance generational wealth. So I think there's an intentional move to um, promote the next generation's wealth, whether, like you said, that's money, that's credit, that's finances, that's property, assets, and education. Yeah, I agree. Okay. So when we talk about um, generational wealth, is that something that our community has, lacks? Are we, are we even aware of that sector? Uh, I think a very small percentage okay. does have it. And is aware of it. I think we say it a lot. Yeah. Um, just the same way that we say breaking generational curses. Mm -hmm. um, I think we say generational wealth a lot. And I think because it sounds good, I think because it's the thing to say at the moment. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't feel like a lot of us are aware of it, of what it really means, or we, you know, don't even have it at that. So I think it's both. We, we don't know what it really means. And a lot of us don't really have it or even know what it takes to have it. I agree. Um, I think, again, it's such a buzzword. Yeah. Right? And so we keep using, oh, I'm going to have generational wealth I want. And I think sometimes our intention is just for our children to have more than we did. Right? And yeah. I think that's all of our intentions, is, is to make sure our children have a better life 
But when we talk about wealth, we're talking about what generational wealth we're talking about. Even when we talk about wealth, we're not talking about being rich. Right. Right. We're talking about long money. We're talking about uh, great, 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 great grandchildren. Legacy. Well, yeah, I remember uh, one time and this was years ago. Um, and Chris Rock had a comedy special and he was saying that Shaq is rich. Mm-hmm. He said the guy that writes Shaq check, he's wealthy. Mm-hmm. And that's a big difference. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? We sit there and celebrate the athletes. They get the hundreds of millions of dollars and rightfully so. Right. Y'all came up. You can support your family right. and you're on that step to having generational wealth. But a lot of us, especially from the communities we come from, look at that as being the end all be all. That's the generational wealth. That's actually wealthy. That can be lost in the day. We sit there and look we look at the athletes, we look at the entertainers, and you had a hundred million dollars, two hundred million dollars, and now ten, fifteen years later, and sometimes even shorter than that, they broke. And a lot of times, even when we sit there and look at our athletes and entertainers, we see the facade. Mm -hmm. And we don't even realize that, hey, they don't even have money. They just look like they have money. Stop right there. Because I think a lot of us in our community, if if I'm honest, we are taught to look like money. We are a flashy people. We are a stylish people, right? And we are taught to look good and look like money. And part of the problem and what I, what I understand as an adult is your millionaires and your billionaires, they don't look like money. Yeah. Right? <laughs> they, don't, <laughs> they don't wear necessarily, and I'm sure they own, but I'm, I'm just saying, they don't necessarily wear the designer brands or the luxury accessories daily. Okay, can I? Go yeah. ahead. Let's okay. go. Now, that's a big misconception. So let me just say that to the audience. That that's what? A, that they don't wear the designer, no. this, that, and the third. No, no, I mean, even on a regular basis, they do. This is the difference between what we do in the hood and what they do as wealthy people. When we get Gucci, when we get Fendi, when we get Balenciaga, whatever it is, we have to slap a big name on it. It has to say Balenciaga all across your chest. It has to say Gucci. It has to say Fendi. The rich people will wear a pair of jeans and a T-shirt. That pair of jeans might be $400. That T-shirt might be $300. They wear it. It just doesn't look like it. And I disagree. I don't think they always wear it every day. I've been in in money rooms, and they had on Dockers. Well, I'm talking about our who we look up to. When we talk about so, our, our athletes and our entertainers, a lot of times they don't look that way. Like, for example, if you look at Jay-Z, Jay-Z and J. Cole, they look like they don't wear a lot of name brands anymore. They almost look (laughs) homeless compared to the people that want to sit there and just have the name brands. They have expensive stuff on. It's just not, hey, I need to sit there and flash the name out to you. So So, so again, we're talking about black. I'm I'm just talking about the culture of wealthy. And so... Again, you you led to who we look up to. So I'm I'm excluding Jay Z. I'm talking about because I want the audience to be very clear that no, they don't always wear name brands. They may have on some Dockers or um, a, a shirt from Macy's or something like that. Who is the they? Well, I've been in rooms with different people, so it can be CEOs of this company. CEOs, the audience wouldn't know necessarily. Okay. But what I'm saying is, I want to stop the thought that 
to look like money, you have to have a name on you. Okay. Right? To look like money. And and that's what I'm saying. The the wealthy people don't always have the brand. They may own it. They may wear it. I'm not saying it. But they don't wear it every day for it to be part of who they are. If you look at 50 Cent, let's let's go back to 50 Cent and Jay-Z. 50 Cent also says, like, he's not wearing brands. He'll wear a white T-shirt. Now, it could be a $500 white T-shirt, right? He'll wear that. But mm-hmm. you won't know the the brand because he is the brand. But that but that's the thing. And and that and that's my point. Mm-hmm. It's not about necessarily saying, hey, they go so this is the, the the misconception because a lot of times we see a lot of memes and we see a lot of posts on social media where it says, hey, and it has the post of the the, the everyday black person, whether it be man, male or female, right? Mm-hmm. And it says, hey, three hundred dollars shoes, four hundred dollar jeans, six hundred dollar shirt, belt you know, belt is $400 and you got $10 in your pocket. And then it has the picture of the white man. Mm-hmm. And like you said, it's doctors. It's, you know, sneakers that look beat up. It's a regular t-shirt. Mm-hmm. And it looks like it's saying, oh, they bought all that for Walmart and their outfit is $20. That's not normally the case. So like you said, with the 50 cent, I'm not going to tell you what I have on because that's not the important part. So like you said, his t-shirt might be $500. You'll never know the difference between him having a $500 t-shirt on and a $20 t-shirt on. And that's the purpose. That's the whole thing to sit there and say, Hey, it, I'm not focused on the name brand. If you're looking too much at what I'm wearing, then you're not focusing on me. Mm -hmm. I'm the brand. Mm -hmm. So I can still have on the expensive stuff. I'm just not letting you know what it is that I have on. Absolutely. So I think that's the biggest difference. And that's the point that I was trying to get to is that we make a habit of saying, Hey, look at all the brands that I have on. I can have on some plain whatever, and it can cost way more than whatever brand you have on. You'll never know it. Right, right. And and that's the biggest difference, and that's the thing I'm trying to say. So people look at uh, Zuckerberg, you know what I'm saying, and like, oh, he dresses like an everyday person. Yeah, that costs money, though. But you will sit there and look at it, and you're having an expectation in your mind, like, he ain't wearing no Gucci, he ain't wearing no Fendi. That might be the case, but what he wears does cost money. He's not going to Walmart to buy his clothes. But the 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 point of it is, it's not about the brand. We, in our neighborhoods, we sit there and care about the brand. I've seen people, and I'm glad that this trend is kind of phasing out, where you will be broke. You will have on some regular jeans, regular T-shirt, but your belt buckle got to say Gucci or Fendi, and they got to be a $400 belt buckle. Or I got to have the little wallet or the keychain that has, I got to show you that I got a little something. Right. No matter what it is. You know what I'm saying? That's our problem. If we sat there and just wore something, if you just had on an all black shirt right now with your jeans, I couldn't tell you how much you paid for it. And it wouldn't even matter. That's our problem. Right. It got to say something. It got to show that, hey, you don't know how much it costs, but trust me, it costs. That's the message that we sent. I agree. I agree. I think, like I said, back to us as a, a community or a culture, we are we're taught to look like money mm-hmm. and not have money. And so it's it's funny how subliminally or even in the house, um, we have to look good, but we don't talk about money. Right. Right. But we're taught to look like money. Mm-hmm. So let me ask you a question. Was there money talks when you were growing up? Was there credit talks? Was there what was your education from home about money? My education was save your money in case something happens. Okay. 
And I think mine, I think mine was to save. But what are we saving for? And that was always my question. What, what, are, what we, are we saving for? And especially being somebody that's young, older people, just hear me out, older people. Y'all might agree with me. Y'all might disagree with me, but just hear me out because I'm trying to give you perspective from a younger person's mentality because I, I remember this day. I remember these days very vivid, even so much that even sometimes I still have a con- conversations with my mom about this. Mm-hmm. You were always saying, save your money. Mm-hmm but you never told me what I'm saving it for. As a young person, I'm not looking 10 years ahead. I'm not looking five years ahead. I'm living in the moment. Hey, I got some money. Let's go have some fun. Now, if you sat there and said, hey, yo, put this money to the side. Yo, I got these stocks over here that you can invest in. And yo, by the time you get to this, just sit on it, ignore it. By the time you get to this, you'll be a millionaire. Hey, that might pique my interest. Mm. But if you're just saying, hey, save it just in case or in case of, and I'm looking around me and there's nothing to show why I why it's beneficial for me to save my money, then that goes in one ear and not the other because you can't tell me why it's beneficial for me to save my money. You're just saying save it. Absolutely. Credit is something that we didn't talk about at all. Mm-mm. I'm not even sure that we were aware of credit and its benefits all the way as far as my grandmother, my mother, and so forth. I think that now we're starting to get into those conversations where you're learning how valuable credit is and what the benefits of it can be. Yeah, I think for us, we just knew home ownership was important. So my grandparents owned their home, um, my my parents owned their home. And so I think that that was about it. But as I think about it, you know, my father was um, the vice president of Godon Bank in Buffalo, New York. And so... Hindsight, you would have thought we would have had, and he's a finance mathematician, right? You would have thought we would have had conversations more about credit, finance, and money. But it, it was just save your money, and then one day you'll own a home, right? right? It wasn't like the strategies, or it wasn't um, talking about the economy. It wasn't talking about any of, of the financial literacy, and we'll talk about that in a minute, but there was no financial literacy, Back then, it was just save, go to school. Education was really valued. So it was go to school, you'll get a good job, and you'll have a good life. And even to your point, save money to buy a house. Again, speaking to a young person, what's the benefits of me having a house or owning a house? You know what I'm saying? Some of us come from renting houses, renting apartments. What's the benefit of me owning a house? Just to say I have it, just so I can pay on it? Like, what is it? Like, it almost sounds like, hey, you go to school, go to college, get you a good job, buy you a house, die. That's it. it, it, There's nothing else that's being taught or told. So it's just like, okay, so when you're talking to a younger person, it got to be more. It can't just be that. That sounds boring. That sounds like if that's it, then... What am I doing? I'm about to do the exact opposite because I want to live it up. Right. Absolutely. When we talk about financial literacy, um, going back to credit. So I think my first experience with credit was I think I was 18. And you know how you get that first credit card offer in the mail. I'm like, oh, let me jump on it. I think it was like $250. (laughs) Um, Let me jump on it. Maxed it out. Yeah. Then when I started working for Bank of America as an employee, they gave you a credit card, yeah. right? And my credit cards were spent on Christmas and birthdays. <laughs> so I'm maxing out, 
you know, I'm young, single mom, had a two, three-year-old, you know, Christmas was everything. And so it was like, max them out. So when we talk about financial literacy and credit, what was your experience with credit cards? Okay, so my first credit card, and I was living in Atlanta at the time, I had a Target credit card. And, oh, shit, this first credit card <laughs> I got, yo, I could buy shit in Target for nothing? Bet. Yo, I maxed that card out buying CDs. Oh, wow. CDs. It was probably like a $300 card. Wow. But, yeah, I was buying CDs. This is when, this is way before streaming and oh, all yeah. that, when you actually had to buy CDs. And CDs is $12.99, $15.99, depending on what it is. I bought so many damn CDs. Like, you know, if, if anybody know me, like, music is, is my thing. So I, I bought a bunch of CDs. Then to your point, working at Bank of America, oh, y'all give me a $500 yes. credit card. <laughs> I was like, what? Yo, I'm like, yeah. My dumb ass bought an iguana. For $500? No, but I mean, that was... Oh, that, that was, was a, the bulk a, a, of the purchase. Yeah, the bulk of the purchase was wow. an iguana. What came along with it, the tank and everything. Did I need it? Hell no. Did I even know how to take care of it? Hell no. But that was just me being stupid. And I'm sitting here thinking, Bank of America set us up with stock. Bank of America set us up with so much. That, they I set cash. us up with stock. They set us up with 401k. We even had pension. They did. For, for part-time, too, because I was part-time. And so... Nowhere in the history were people given those type of benefits for just people that work 20 hours a week. Yeah. But back to those stocks, right? So <laughs> I had stocks. <laughs> Cash, Cash them, them in. Yeah. Cash them in mm -hmm. for Christmas. Yeah. Because we didn't know no better. We didn't know any better. And wasn't no one there to tell us. And hey, I didn't ask. I didn't ask either. No. It was, this is free money. But you know I what? didn't even have to match it to get anything. But you know what would happen if you told somebody before you did it? They'd be like, shit, okay, that sounds good. Cash it in. Yeah. Cash it in. They'd have been like, bet. That's like, like you said, that's free money. Cash but it see, in. I come from, so my grandparents, for every birthday, Christmas, major holiday, um, and these were my great-grandparents, they gave us bonds, savings bonds. Okay. Right? And so... I knew something, like I should have been saving it. I knew I shouldn't have spent it on Christmas, but we were short, so we had to make Christmas happen. And you just don't know the repercussions. You That's don't it. know, you know, by me doing this, how bad of a place it puts me in or how advantageous it could have been had I... Had I just waited. Yeah, you and don't know that, that. What that cash out would have really looked like, yeah. right? And so um, so when we talk about financial literacy, um, again, that's... that's um, reset the room for the audience. What are we talking about when we talk about financial literacy? What is that? You asking me? Yeah. Okay, I didn't know if you was talking to her. No. <laughs> I mean, it's really just understanding, to me, it's understanding money, it's understanding assets, it's understanding property, it's understanding those things that we just said as far as the whys. Why would it be in my best interest to save money? Why would it be in my best interest to not max out this credit card or not cash in those stock or, hey, I have a job that has a pension. What does that even mean? It's knowing about all of these different financial products that are either given to us or are available to us so that we can take advantage of it. So that to me is just like literacy is learning how to read a book. Financial literacy mm -hmm. to me is learning money. money, money, how to save, how to invest. There is a mindset always, you know, with me, it starts with the mind. There's a mindset and there's an emotional aspect to money. And with so, you or with 
no. with money. No, I mean, as far as our community or? Yeah, as okay. far as our community. I okay. think it's a mindset. I think it's a emotion. And so when I think about mindset, I think about um, lack. Okay. And so, you know, and I'll just use me as an example. And so when um, we first um, started with my dad, my dad was a single dad. And so when him and my mom split, we went to live with him. And so I remember our first meals being like Hungry Men, you know, where the brownie is cooked with the corn at the same time, the little, you know, TV gotta take, dinners. Got to take it out, stir it, rotate yeah, it. That's it. You know, you yeah, know, yeah, then yeah. you take off the film, film and put it back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fried bologna sandwiches, right? And nothing wrong with any of this. However, I vowed to myself I would never eat a TV dinner or a Hungry Man ever again. So that began my mindset, and that began my emotion, right? And so my spending habits, mm-hmm. I say, look, we work hard, we're going to eat good. And so what I discovered about my own spending habits, when we go back to my mindset and my emotion, is because of those humble beginnings, I'm like, I'm going to eat what I want to eat. Right. Like, what you mean? We're going here, we're doing this, we're going to eat good. And I even have friends who had to wear their um, sibling shoes or hand-me-down shoes. And so now they have a shoe fetish where it's like, hey, I'm going to get whatever shoe I want because I had to, you know, share shoes. And so I think that lack sometimes creates that mindset and that emotion with money, hence our, you know, unhealthy spending habits. Yeah, I mean, I think it's the same thing with with men in certain in certain ways, like for example, with me, um, it wasn't a struggle or anything like that. I had sneakers and all of that, but you know, you always miss out on certain sneakers. I didn't have every pair of Jordans. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, if one pair came out, excuse me, if one pair came out, I ain't getting the other four colors that come out with it. I might have that one. It might be a year or two. I get the other pair of Jordans. So. It wasn't like, oh, you was just broke, but it wasn't it wasn't like, oh, I can afford to get all the sneakers that I wanted. And as a kid growing up, you know, especially in our community, sneakers is everything. Clothes is everything. What you wear, what you got on your feet, all that's everything. So it's funny that you said that because you went through it from a fool point of view. I went through it from a sneaker point of view. So once I get older, now I get a I can afford to buy all these sneakers. Buy oh, I'm them. buying every single yeah. pair of sneakers yeah. that I ever wanted. Yeah. Are you crazy? They coming back out? Give me all of them. Right. And you can't tell me anything. Yeah. And there's so many men that I know that are sneaker heads because we, like, we love sneakers. That's what we, for any woman that doesn't understand this, just think about it. The way you love purses is the way we love sneakers. Just, just look at it like that. You or got shoes. Your, or shoes. We got, we got shoe fetishes. Right. But we got sneakers. That's, that's it. If the funny thing is you and I, Hey, she asked me, what you want for your birthday? What you want for Christmas? Sneakers. What you want for Father's Day? Sneakers. Sneakers. It's, it's, if you don't know it's sneakers, then what we doing? Sneakers. We done been married for years. If you don't know that all I want is sneakers, then we need to have a, a, a bigger discussion. Yeah. But, and I, I'm saying that with a, a bit of seriousness and a, and a bit of jest, but we talk about baggage. We talk about traumas. We talk about these things. And it's so funny that you said, you know, that emotion, that personal connection um, with money or not having money because that does dictate the way that we look at money moving forward as we get older and how we decide to spend it. 
Absolutely. We've been married, and yeah, I've never seen a Hungry Man meal or even a microwave meal that we going to eat for dinner. That's not happening. You won't. And you that's not I mean? a knock on anybody else. No. That, no. Is, that is my personal, like, yeah. we're we not doing that. Uh, another thing, you know, on a, on a more up, upbeat experience is my parents made Christmas everything for us. And I'm, I'm talking about a little girl, and my sister will tell you, half the living room was mine, half the living room was hers, whatever, new cabbage patch, Barbie doll, dream house, yeah. um, hot wheel, power wheel, whatever, we had it, right? And so what that taught me was that that's Christmas. Gotcha. And so when I had my own daughter, and, and hence go back to all my credit cards, Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, my student refund check. Christmas. Christmas, right? Yeah. Or birthdays. Um, and so what they what they subliminally taught us was Christmas was everything. And it wasn't until we got married <laughs> that I had to look at Christmas a little different. How so? <laughs> How so? People want to know. So just moment of transparency, again, I, in the back of my mind, the idea and the emotion was Christmas was everything. You you grind out all year, but you enjoy Christmas. But I would be going into debt, right? It just didn't, it started at 18, but it, it didn't stop because here I am I'm still maxing out credit cards, um, making payment arrangements for electric bills and, you know, necessities, right, if I'm honest, to make sure Christmas was done. I had the loan for school. My refund check was for Christmas. And so after realizing and and marrying someone who um, celebrates Christmas, but Christmas isn't everything. Christmas is one day. We're not going into debt. Um, We're not carrying over balances, payment arrangements. We're not paying interest on the gifts that we receive. On top of that, uh, the toy is going to be broken two days, right? And so... That was the first time I've heard of that. Like, yeah, it's one day, but it's one magical day. And so. (laughs) (laughs) So can I? Go ahead. So one one of the funniest things that she would always say, whether it's Christmas or trips or. Because I'm like, it doesn't make sense to spend all this money and come back to having debt. And her justification, I will never forget this. And she's gotten a whole lot better. So let me say that first. Let me give the flowers first. But (laughs) the justification was we're creating memories. Yes. Hey, y'all, that's some bullshit. Don't (laughs) believe that. Do not believe that. It is memories, but trust me, your phone can also capture memories in the house. It is memories. And also, so even with that, because and you just use yourself as an example, which was an, a, great, a great example. Um, also with, and you can help me out with this too, not saying that you've done it, but I, I see it a lot, especially with mothers that have newborns. The baby is turning one. It's I got to go all out. It's Christmas. Now, we've had that conversation. Yes. And I'm like, yo, and I think any man will probably agree with this. If, if you don't, cool, but most men probably will. We'll say something to the point of, yeah, that baby don't know what a birthday is. That baby don't know what none of this stuff is. This baby, the, the, the birthday party is not for the baby. So, 
<laughs> so go ahead. Barney and Baby Bob <laughs> was at the party. No, I, no, I agree. My my total frame of thinking has changed, um, but it has taken a while um, to change. Again, just going back to who I was, you know, um, I parented out of guilt. Um, because I was a single mom, so I didn't want my daughter to lack for anything. And so, again, for me, um, keeping up the tradition and the mindset that Christmas, I, I don't care what we went through throughout the year with our parents, that one day, actually two days, our birthdays and Christmas were it, yeah. right? And so they, they were very special. But what I equated the um, it being special was the gift-giving and things like that. But it was special because we were together. Gotcha. I may have not seen my mother, you know, all the time, but I saw her on Christmas, right? Yeah. And so going back to, to what you were saying, the mindset came from parenting out of guilt. The mindset came from wanting to see people happy, right? So there is in women and men too, um, if your love language is giving gifts, um, you want to make people happy. Mm -hmm. And you don't think about the debt. And even, even to this day, you know, um, I have friends that will go into debt. And I'm like, why are you buying that for, you know, and you need, and you need this. But, again, it, it's about Christmas becomes, birthdays become about making other people happy. And you feel like your job is done. Gotcha. But, again, with that financial literacy, making other people happy at what cost. And so me not understanding credit card debt completely, I thought I was good making a $25 payment. <laughs> when the payment was due. Yeah. Right? And it was you and my sister. I got to give shouts out to my sister because my sister is like, she she took after my dad when it came to the finances. Me and my mom, we like to have a good time. And we like to make memories. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, you know, you all taught me, first of all, we're not maxing out. Right? We're keeping 30% or less. And also, my sister was like, stop making payments on the due date. Your interest rate, if you make them early, your interest, you know, your interest amount will be less. And so there was a whole science around just credit cards that I didn't know about and credit that I didn't know about. And I know, you know, other people here um, that may be listening are like, what are you talking about? And so that's the financial literacy just even on the credit cards. We're not even getting into banking and credit unions and investments and um you know a lot of us got our first car either it was a buy here pay here spot because we didn't have credit or we had bad credit and we didn't understand the interest rate um that we have so even understanding interest rates and understanding your buying leverage mm -hmm. let me give one more story then i'll turn it over to you so the first time well i got my first car from the lot at I think I was 20 and it was a buy here, pay here spot. And I think I had like a Chevy Lumina, right? And so at the time I just needed a car. So I just signed. I didn't care what the payment, I, I just wanted the payment to be a certain amount. I didn't care what, I don't even know what the interest rate was. So then when it goes, and that was a used car. So when it goes to 2012, I get my brand new car, got three miles on the lot. It was um, Chrysler 200. My interest rate was 13%. It didn't matter. I got a brand new car. Yeah. Let's go. You know, I never knew that was an interest rate. Yes. 13%. Let's go. Yeah. Right? And at the time it was, not because I didn't have any credit. I mean, because I had bad credit, I didn't have enough credit established. Yeah. 
And that's and the thing so, people don't know either. And so I was a woman, a young woman going into the dealership, and they probably like, oh, yeah, here she come. And so I just wanted a car. And the fact that I can drive it off the lot that day, yeah. oh, Sign let's right go. Here. Here's yeah. my pay stubs. Let's go. Here's my references. Let's go. And what it, I, I had a lender, and I'll be honest, my lender was Santander. Very predatory lender if you have um, Santander as your finance company. And I was paying like five something for that Chrysler 200. And that was like the worst upside down loan I could have ever been in. And when I paid that car off, I was like, I'm keeping this car. By that time, I didn't rebuild the car. I got a new transmission, new engine, new everything in it. But I was like, I don't want no car note because of the way that loan made me feel. Yeah. Because of how long it took me to pay it off. I was like, no. So fast forward, we get a car last year, 2022. And I'm terrified because I don't like this experience. I don't want to go in here. I don't want to upside down loan. I don't. But finally, I understood with the help of you, the leverage of the buying power. Like, we were able to talk them down. Brand new car, $6,000, $7,000 down. Why are you laughing? Because it wasn't like this last year? No, no, no. It was, but. I was shook. At, yeah, looking at hindsight because. I was shook. We go into the dealership, and I'm like, yo, we not paying no more than this amount. Whatever whatever the amount was. Let me back up. We go in with a check this time. We go in with a check. We so, got the money. So I'm not at the mercy of the people. Right. Right, we going with a check. And so you would think I'd been like, yeah, I was shook. I was like, these people ain't going to give me no car. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you, the money is in my hand. And I'm like, you got the mindset, money. Mindset, mindset, y'all. You got the money. Not only do you have the money, now we can sit there and say what it is that we're willing to spend. Like I told her that day, hey, they not going to turn down your money. This is what the car dealerships want is your money. They either want to finance you or they want the money. They they job is to get money. Their job is to get sales. So they not going to let you just walk out the door, especially with a check. Like if, if you ain't got a check and, and it's about financing, they might be like, all right, they probably was bad credit anyway. We probably wouldn't have been able to do nothing. They might be more willing to accept that L, but for you to have a check, they not letting you walk out the door. Mm-mm. Right? So even when we have the check, yo, we not spending more than this amount. Because we're not spending a whole check on no car. Right. That's not happening. Right. So even at the table, they're trying to do their their little, hey, this is what it is. This is the best we can do. So I'm whispering to her, yo, we're going to walk out the door. And even in that moment, she's still shook. still, she's like, but so we, we, we just not going to get anything? I was shook, y'all. No, it's, it's time to call people's bluff. And that's the thing about it. Sometimes you have to realize the leverage that you have and knowing yo, what, what it is that you bring to the table and what it is that they actually want. Needless to say, we walked out with the car. We walked out not paying, not cashing that whole check, giving up that whole check, and they had to come down. The, the, the thing is, and I want to I stop right here, if people understood, if we understood as a people, our leverage, right, with this whole credit thing. It's, I don't want to make it seem like it's a game, but it's so a game. It's a game. 
right? This financial thing and, and other cultures have been playing, playing this game for years and we so behind because we don't know the game. And so for that was the first time I felt like empowered and in control of my money. Right. And that was 41 years old. So at 41 is the first time I felt and I'm being transparent because y'all know I'm an open book, but I felt control in control of my money. I felt like I can tell my money where I wanted to go and what I wanted my money to do for me. Right. But here's the thing. We have to get out of this fear first before we can sit there and learn our leverage. And as just as black people, and I'm not sure if any other culture goes through this, but I'm just talking about black people because that's just my experience. We will listen to somebody who's going to give us all the bad advice and we'll follow that as opposed to the person that's going to say, Hey, do this, do that. And you'll get this. You're not going to believe it or it just sounds like it's too much work. Whatever the reason is you don't trust that person or your fear doesn't allow you to trust that person. And what you do is you make a bad decision and it takes you years to come up out of it. So just like Tiff said, yo, we are sitting there with a check and we can sit there and determine what we're willing to give someone. And even in that moment, there was still fear of, hey, they're not going to give us something. There was doubt. Hey, are we making the right decision if we walk out the door? And sometimes you have to sit there and just trust the person that you're with or the tr- trust the people that are giving you information. So a lot of times when we talk about financial literacy, a lot of times it's like, hey, we didn't get this information. Mm-hmm. And that's true. But sometimes we do get pieces of inf- information and we decide not to trust the people that's giving us that. Absolutely. And that's another thing that also causes our downfall as well. We do not trust each other enough to sit there and take information. But let your girlfriend got a scam going on. You gonna ride that scam all day as opposed to listening to the person that is showing you, hey, this works. I did it. But I think because it, the scam is easy. I think the work, again, dealing with your mindset, dealing with your fears, a lot of us aren't comfortable with having the money talk, right? A lot of us aren't comfortable with, with even talking about money, Um it's funny you say having people around you. So for our wedding, we had um, Nicole, shout out to um, M&D Accounting in Charlotte. She has been our financial advisor, our accountant since um, we got married um, and, and she was mine prior to. And so we went to her and we said, look, you know, we're doing we're wedding planning and, you know, this is what we want, so on and so forth. And so. Nicole was like, hey, y'all not going into debt. Y'all not, you know, auctioning off no kidneys for no wedding. Back to the whole one day, right? And so I didn't want a lot for our wedding, but there was one thing I wanted was I wanted Anthony Hamilton <laughs> to sing as I walked down the aisle, right? And so to me it was doable, but I think Anthony Hamilton at that time, this was 2014, I think for one song it might have been, what, like $6,000? It was something like that. And I was like, let's do it. And Nicole was like, you crazy. You are crazy. I was like, what do we got to take away? Let's do it. Go ahead, say it. Nicole was not the only one that said <laughs> you crazy. <laughs> but I was like, one song. And she was like, the people are not going to be able to eat. But you didn't have your song. Again, memory. Memory. Right? And so I'm saying that to say um, I, I didn't get Anthony Hamilton. Anthony Hamilton, if you're listening, right, we got a 10th year anniversary coming up next year. Get at me. Get at me, right? But, <laughs> but no, seriously, 
it took work. Yeah. It took budgeting. It took, this is what our check is. This is what your check is. This is what we're willing to do. It took real work to even just make the wedding happen and how it happened. It happened beautifully. We didn't go into debt. We were able to pay in real time. But I think a lot of people, it's not just the trust. It's that it's work. Yeah. So it's a lot of work to, yeah, to be financially stable or to be financially secure or to tap into a world where it's foreign. So when we look at our community and we see people that do not look like us buying our community, mm. whether it's our stores, our properties, and we become the people that rent from these people and we become the people that have to now purchase our products from these people, we get judged. We become judgmental. We look at them like, oh, y'all had it easy. Y'all did this. Y'all did that. And we can't catch a break. But in reality, and sometimes we have to look ourselves in the mirror and be like, yo, did we really work towards it? Mm -hmm. Did we do that work? Because like you said, it's a lot of work. The scam is easy. But to really get to that level that you really want to get to, it takes a lot of work. So that's the biggest thing that we don't want to talk about as well is the work that we want to put in. We just want it. We just want it. And then we'll make excuses. Well, I'm broke. I don't got the money. Okay. So let me just give you this example. And let me say this first before I even give you this example. We're not the Jeffersons. We ain't moved on up to a deluxe apartment in the sky. Not yet. We, right. <laughs> it, it's, 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 we're talking in regards to in things that we've learned along the way. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? We are not driving Rolls Royces. And we're not, you know, got 15 million properties, but we're talking about experiences that we've had financially, the ups and downs. So the example that I have as it relates to that is people always say, well, I don't have the money to start this. I don't have the money to invest. I don't have the money to do this. But I know a lot of women who have a few kids and shout out to all y'all. But y'all income tax refund check, that check be looking nice. And what y'all do with that check? Memories. Instead of building something, instead of creating something, instead of setting something up so that you can keep on going, you'll spend that check in a week. Hell, sometimes even a, a day or two. And then be back to square one, I'm broke. And the other part to that is y'all look at that as free money. That's the crazy part about it that nobody wants to talk about income tax refunds. It's your money. Basically what it is is, hey, you pay too money. much taxes, right. and this is a refund. That's why it's called an income tax refund. That's why you have to work to get it. Now, women with kids, y'all get some benefits because they'll give you certain credits because of having children. Don't get me wrong. There are upsides to it, and sometimes it is free money. But you ha also have to look at it. If you got several kids and they're giving you this money for several kids – then use it for several kids. Don't sit there and say, hey, we all going to go get Jordans tomorrow. Or, hey, I'm going to get a brand new TV. Nah, you got that money, you can do something with it. And if you don't know what to do with it, that doesn't mean spend it. That means, hey, sit on it. Find somebody that can, you know what I'm saying, research, do your Googles, do whatever it is. But, yo, there's a way and there's things that you can put that money to good use. So we that's just one example of, hey, I don't have it. Yes, you do. There's always a way for us to get money. The black, our black community, we have so much money and we be broke. Now, 
from the regular nine to five person to the crackhead. Everybody is going to find them money. Mm -hmm. Y'all grew up in the hood just like I grew up in the hood. Y'all seen crackheads? Yeah. Now, this is the one thing, and I'm not trying to be funny. So hear me out because I'm not trying to be funny. But this is the one thing that I always respected about a crackhead. They will find a way oh, they're very resourceful. for them to get money to support their habit. Yeah, they're very There's no such thing as them not being able to get money. No matter what it is, they're going to get money. Now, I'm not saying follow that mindset and follow that rule and just do whatever. But I'm saying that, yo, we're very resourceful as people. Even at our lowest, we're very resourceful. Mm -hmm. We can find a way to get something from nothing, even at our lowest moments. So to say or use an excuse of we can't get it, that's bullshit. We can definitely get it. But I love how you said sometimes it's our fear. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's our emotion. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's that we don't want to do the work. Mm -hmm. Now, if we can be honest and, and look at those things as the reason as to why we can't get ahead, then that's great because it allows us a starting point. For me, I had to look at start to look at money as a tool. Yeah. No different than social media, no different than my telephone. It is a vehicle to something. Right. And I think once I started to change my mindset and get the education, like you said, I'm not, I'm not there, but I have been truly blessed with people around me um, that help me when I'm not there. But ultimately, even the people that were there, I still had to make the decision to do something different. Right. You know, and, and like I said, this time when I started the, the, the podcast, when we started this conversation, this can go on and on. And I would love to have a part two and part three because we need to tap into the power of insurance, right? The power of entrepreneurship, the power of, you know, um, it's just so much more to this conversation. But I think what I want for people to understand today is you have to make a decision, that you're going to do better with money. And you have to make a decision and explore how you feel about money. How do I feel about money? Mm -hmm. is, it, is it a bag? Is it a key to a better life? What is money to you? But what I will tell you is when you start to tell your money where to go and what you want your money to do, from you, it's, do for you, it's a, it, it's a game changer. Right. It is it is a game changer when you're able to have money and you say, hey, my kid can go to any college they want to. Scholarships is great, no doubt. However, as we get further and further, as college get more expensive, those scholarships are going to become less and few far in between. My baby can go anywhere they want to go because I got the money. Right. Right. My grandchildren, my great-grandchildren, they don't ever have to worry about um, where they're going to stay because we have family properties. When we talk over into entrepreneurship, teaching our children how to be entrepreneurs or how to take over the family business, right? And so there's a whole lot um, of, of resources that we have. We just got to tap into it. But the first thing we got to do is make up our mind that we want something different. Yeah. And a lot of times we don't ask ourselves, and even outside of money, but just in, in life period, especially when we set goals, we don't ask ourselves what we really want. You know what I'm saying? You might want something in the moment, but you don't ask yourself, what do I want in the long term? Right. 
you know, and we we really have to be honest with ourselves. And even at home ownership, like you want a house, but for what? Right. Right. There's so many reasons we can have a house. Is it the equity? Is it to flip? Is it to like what 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 do we want the house for? And that's what and, and, and that's a great point, because you have to be honest with yourself and realize the type of person that you are. Am I going to be good with having a property? Am I going to be able to maintain this property? You have to ask yourself what you want. Just because everyone says home ownership is the way to go, it doesn't mean that that's for you. Right. So you have to be honest with yourself. And the other part is, like, um, are you going to be house poor? Right? So you got the house. You got the house you want. But is your house taking up 100% of your income? So are we, are we, so like I said, this conversation could go on and on and on. Um, but I, I just wanted to challenge you all to think about how you, how you feel about money. What did you learn about money? You know, what was your upbringing as it relates to money and where do you want to go? How do, how do you want to use that tool for money? Do you have any last words for our audience? Um, I think that we should actually have another segment on this topic, but more so kind of getting into particulars. Maybe I won't be on this one. We'll bring someone who has a little more experience in some of these areas. I think you should be on it. We'll just include some more people in in the conversation because I would love to hear the different walks of how people have the money mindset they have. Okay. Well, yeah, I I definitely think that uh, this should be part one of, you know. Yeah. The conversation. We need to get Nicole on here. I need to. Yeah. She would be great. She would be great. Well, everyone, thank you again for uh, tuning in to today's episode of the Unangry Black Woman podcast. I hope you enjoyed our discussion. I hope it was educational, insightful. I hope it inspired you. If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider subscribing, rating, and leaving a review on your favorite podcast platform. Your feedback helps us grow and improve. Remember, the conversation doesn't happen, uh, have to end here. Um, you can follow us on social media. where Tiffany hey, Fox Inc. on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Join us every Wednesday at noon for a new episode. Until then, take care and remember healing happens in community. Thank you once again for being a, pot, a part of our podcast community. See you later.